everybody thank you for tuning in to the ridiculous nicholas podcast uh, this specific podcast right here i uh, did at tupelo music hall in londonderry new hampshire and the first half of the podcast i got to speak with my good friend doug james who's uh, one of the preeminent blues baritone sax players on the planet uh, he's one of those go-to guys He's just been around and played with everybody. He was in Roomful for years. He was in Duke Robillard's band for years. Currently, he's playing with Jimmy Vaughn. And he's, I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg of the stuff that he's done in his career. He's just had an amazing career and a, such a funny dude and a cool guy and a really good musician. And uh, he's a good friend of mine. And I uh, I kind of owe this whole podcast to him. He got me a ticket to the show to go see him and Jimmy Vaughn. And it was just really a fun day. Um, and it was really good to see him and hang out with him. Um, the second part of the podcast is an interview with Jimmy Vaughn who um, is one of my biggest heroes as a musician, um, as a person. He is a, just seems like a really cool dude as well. And so I, I, I really appreciate that I got a chance to, uh, to sit down and talk to him, even though his, his road manager was not at all happy with me, that I, I guess I kind of, subverted some kind of hierarchy that was supposed to take place and uh, uh, I was just kind of unaware and I just saw him for a moment and and asked him if he'd come do the podcast and he was gracious enough to sit down with me and uh, and talk to me about a bunch of stuff music um, recovery and you know it got a little heavy uh, in the middle there um, you know we talked about when Stevie passed away and it was you know as a as a fan it was a, a, I remember the exact moment when I found out that he died and um, it was a real bummer for me but sitting there talking to him and realizing how completely differently connected to him that I was just to, just to see uh, I mean there's still real pain there and it was it was breaking my heart talking to him about it because I could see that he still has a lot of pain about it and how can you not you know it's his younger brother um, so uh but even though it was heavy, it was uh, all of it was good. Uh, I mean, the the all of the podcast was good. I'm um, I'm really happy to be able to present this to you folks, and I hope you enjoy it. Here we are with Doug James and Jimmy Vaughn. 
All right, all right. We are here at the Ridiculous Nicholas Podcast. That's the name of my podcast. That's very good. It rhymes, too. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good, Ron, isn't it? The Ridiculous Nicholas Podcast, and I'm here with my good friend, Doug James, sax player extraordinaire, musician to the stars, all around, hell of a good dude. And uh, we're going to chit-chat. Hello, Nicholas. Hello, Douglas. How are you? I'm okay. All right. We're going to have a good gig tonight here uh, with Jimmy Vaughn, and, uh, you know, it's been a fun little trip that we just took. And how how long have you been out for? Oh, just since uh, uh, Monday before last. Oh, okay. So, so not, like two, two and a half weeks? Two weeks, you know, two weeks or so. Yeah. yeah. All right. And do you, are is most of your stuff with him fly-out stuff? Uh, yeah, this particular one, we were actually on the East Coast, so... Uh, you can just I'm, stay at I'm, home? I'm home. Well, I have not been home, no. Uh, and um, But we're going up to Maine, you know, tomorrow, so uh, it's been... We're, we're going to end up in Rhode Island, so... Uh, Hmm. I will be home for once uh, instead of having to fly home. So people must be coming out of the woodwork down there. There's uh, a lot of people, of course, from uh, you know the ghosts of Christmas past. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. I don't think there's a musician in Rhode Island that you haven't played with at some point or another. I suppose that's <laughs> true. And uh, uh, so I've been I've been fortunate to play with a lot of good people. So that's been fun. I haven't played with you yet. Uh, not in an we, official we, we capacity. Did, we did the recording thing. We did it recording, and uh, let me just tell you that um, I've done I've done probably eight eight records um, until this the last record I did, which I brought a copy of it here for you. I don't Fantastic. know if I, I don't know if I've given you one before, but uh, it's a great record, and I'm very proud of it. But before that record, the only other thing I ever recorded that I had any kind of pride over was the thing that I did with with you and Gordon Beadle <laughs> and, and my band at the time, which was uh, Mr. Nick's Blues Mafia. That was a good band. It was, it was a good band. It was a really good band. It was a really it was a cool tune. The record label that we recorded it for loved the song I don't know if you ever got a copy of the record but it, they put it it was the first song on the record that was their favorite tune and it was there was a ton of people on it that we were there was Kim Wilson was on it yes it was uh, the last studio recording that Little Milt never did yeah. uh, it was uh, Maxwell was on it Mike Welch Rory Block Maria Muldor I mean it was a, there was a lot of yeah. heavy people on it yeah. and the record label went we love this tune this is the first tune so I was a I was a feather in my cap at the time. So it was the first thing I ever recorded where I really went like, "Yes. Here's I did this." It was fun. I remember yeah. we did that in like a living room type of studio thing or something. We did it at Tim Pike's house. Yes. Yeah. It was Tim Pike was living out in Gosstown, New Hampshire. We did it did it right in his living room. Recorded yeah. the whole thing there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's great. Yeah. He did a he did a good job. He's in uh, uh he's living in Seattle now. And he sings for uh, Paul Allen. Oh, very nice. The guy that owns the world. Yes. That's <laughs> good. Maybe, uh, uh, maybe he can adopt me. Yeah, that's, that's quite a crazy gig. He calls me every week with some new weird story. I was in the studio the other day. Stephen Stills came in and gave me a guitar lesson. <laughs> what? Crazy. So you've been out for... Um, You've been out for two and a half weeks, and then do you have some downtime? Well, we're going, we're going out uh, in, in May, just a, uh, three times in May, and that's all we have at the moment for um, 
the schedule uh, pretty much. We're going to play in Portland, Oregon coming up. And, you know, so uh, we just haven't looked that far ahead yet. So Is that in July? Are you doing the waterfront? That's in July, yeah. Okay. That's a good festival. You've, yes, I'm sure you've played that before. Yeah. 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 That's one of my favorites. The, the last time I played there, Duke came back and said, go backstage. And there was an acre of creme brulee. They had this huge <laughs> vat of creme brulee. And I ate like most of it. Crazy. And then I played. <laughs> Cream's not the, cream is not the thing that you really want to have before, uh, oh, it's good. Blowing a horn through that little tiny space that you have there. It's good. <laughs> Certainly not the thing you want to have before you sing. Yes. Well, that's a different story. Yeah. Uh, so you're, you're back two and a half weeks and then, uh, you have some things in May, then July, you're going out. Do you have, is there any, any recording stuff you guys have going uh, well, on? Well, right actually, now? um, or that you have going on? Actually, uh, uh, there's several things, but uh, I think Jimmy's uh, doing a, a couple tracks with Duke uh, on Sunday when we uh, go to Rhode Island. Oh, how so cool. we may be doing an album. I think the album is like the connection between Austin, Texas, and Rhode Island, which we had a huge connection. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Thunderbirds came up in like 1973 or something to see us because they heard our 45 that we released, and we met them then. And then that was uh, when you were in room four. Yeah, and and then um, you know, and then really three quarters of of the Thunderbirds was then later on from Rhode Island. Yeah, right. Preston Perez and Franny, Christine, and, and and Duke, and then uh, and then of course uh, uh, Kid Bam yeah, too. Yeah. So the the whole band was really after Jimmy left a Rhode Island band. Really. Yeah, it's so nuts. That's so nuts. There's something in the water. Well, the, the, the Thunderbirds <laughs> were going to move up here, like back in the day, and then they just they didn't. But uh, so it's always been a, a big connection though between us all. So we always used to open up for each other whenever you know we'd open up for them down in Texas. They'd open up for us in Rhode Island. So we did that for a long, long time. And you were in Roomful for what twenty years? Twenty nine years. Twenty nine years. Good Lord. I was paroled in 1995. <laughs> 95, you got paroled. Yeah, I thought it was life without parole, but it wasn't. So I managed to uh, do that. Did you tell Rich Latai? Oh, yes, I did. Did you, t- did you tell him that he, yes, that he could get paroled at some point? I did. He has not <laughs> evidently been granted parole. So. All right. <laughs> I think he's in it for the long haul. I believe. Well, it doesn't get much longer than that. Yeah. What is it, 40... What is it? I don't know. I can't 40, count that high. I don't even know. 46 years or I, something so insane like that. years, yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> That's crazy. I went to the 25-year anniversary show of Room Bowl one, huh? at the Rocky Point <laughs> yeah. Palladium in Warwick, Rhode Island. and uh, Wasn't that at the Rose of Patuxent? Nope. It was okay. Rocky Point Palladium. <laughs> oh, okay, yes, you're, you're, you're correct. You're I remember it. Correct. I had the T-shirt. Oh, I remember okay. it. Well, that I remember was, it was there. I guess I should have gotten the T-shirt. Everybody, <laughs> everybody came out of the woodwork. Yeah, I and mean, I was. I, I lived in Oregon for years, so I was friends with Curtis, and so I hadn't seen him in several years, and so it was really cool for me. And it was before I really had dug my heels into playing music. I mean, I had played in bands and yeah. done little things, but it was before I had really decided to make a serious, concerted effort to be a musician. Um, 
and I was just a fan at the time. I mean, I played music, but I was just really there as a fan. And so I didn't travel in all the same circles as Curtis like I do now. I don't see him out here or there or run into him whenever or have those other reasons to see him. So as was several years had gone by, I hadn't seen him. It was really cool for me. Um, it was just cool to see because I listened to Roomful my whole life up until that point. So uh, to see all of the different... Yes. People that had gone through was like really cool to it me. It was a lot of fun. That was a fun one. It was a hell, hell of a night. It was a hell of a night. I was, I think I was 20, <laughs> uh, 21 maybe. Well, how 22. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it was a, hey. So that, and that was 20 something years ago at this point now. It was a while, yes. <laughs> um, Porky Cohen was there. Porky was still with us. Yeah, it was was really, really a cool thing. I'm now older than Porky Cohen, which is a sobering thought. (laughs) I told that to uh, Robert Cray a couple months ago. He was down in Rhode Island, and I said, do you realize that we are older than Porky? And him and Richard (laughs) Cousins are going, they were just like going, oh, my God, I'm older than Porky. Yeah. Uh, speaking of being older than folks, I don't know if you've heard the news that Prince died today. Yes, he did. Which That's is really, was completely unexpected. I thought that guy was going to outlive all of us. I guess he didn't. Uh, that's a that's a bummer of a deal. I saw him in like 90, um, and uh, he had Maceo Parker with him, and that was <laughs> pretty darn cool. Uh, oh, yeah. His band opened up for him, uh, and the sound was terrible. And then when Prince got on, the sound was hundred times better. And I was like, "You're gonna do Porky? You're gonna? Oh no, Porky! You're gonna do Maceo like that? You're gonna, gonna gonna give him the opening band treatment with the shitty sound system? And then these things happen." Uh, I was like, "How much money does it cost to run that sound system?" That oh, uh, I mean, it was are, at the it was at the garden, so it was. These are inexplicable things that happen. Yeah. But, um, so, um, uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, speak of the recording thing, we're uh, we're doing something like that coming up here, <clears throat> and we'll be finishing that at some point this summer. And then uh, also, we may be doing a sort of a roomful of blues record without being roomful of blues. The original guys. So oh, we're right. doing a record with those guys. We're still trying to get everybody together at the right time and stuff. So that's uh, maybe this summer, maybe in the fall. That'd be pretty so dang cool. That'll be fun. I'd like to hear that. That'll be fun. So uh, I'd like to hear that. I've worn out that first copy of uh, yeah. Roomful of Booze. I'm probably on my third copy of that at least. Yes. Uh, I have... Many roomful records <laughs> in my in my collection. Well, we as have, I do, Jimmy Vaughn. We have a whole bunch of outtakes from the first record that are great, and really? so without maybe releasing them, we may actually do some of those tunes because they're really good tunes. Oh shit! Yeah, we have like a whole bunch of stuff, original stuff, or, uh, or no, just ca- great covers. Yeah, that I that I remember. Nice. Ah, cool. So that that uh, maybe where we're going with that, or. We may release that stuff too. The uh, the original, you know, the outtakes, really good. Very and good. What, would you be able? Would you call it room full of blues? Would I don't know. We we'd have to see about be that a weird thing. We don't really have to, so we we may not just do that. 
Right. If anybody's going to know, if they're going to want to buy it, they'll know who it is anyway. Yeah, right, so. right. It seems like it would be a really, like a hardcore fan, like f- real fans would flock to get something like that. It's not often that you find you can have such a, a, a notable record have a whole, I mean, I don't know how much other material like there is. like 20 songs. There's a whole, another 20 yeah. songs? Oh, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. That's that's crazy. Yeah. So that would be a... That's two more records. <laughs> yeah, I know. It actually sort of is. Yeah, so wow. it's... it's uh, oh, my God. I really hope you guys really... I, I hope that you... I hope you do both things. Because... I, I hope that you make a new record with all those guys, and I hope you release that stuff, because yes. I, I would like to hear all of it. Yeah, it'll be, it could be a lot of fun. So we'll, we'll see uh, how all that goes. Uh, I haven't heard the latest. It's fun being on the road now, because, you know, we don't... Nobody is on the road as much as, you know, we used to be at all. So when I just go on the road, it's just... With Jimmy, it's very nice. We travel very nice with a nice bus and everything, and... uh it's really nice just to do that, you know. So uh, reality will be, uh, you know, uh, uh, April 25th, back to reality. Right. And so... Uh, well, the good news is most of you are still in this area. <laughs> yes. So it won't be... You want There will be no couch sleeping and... Oh, yeah. <laughs> it won't be too much, too much traveling or too much, uh, too much of that stuff to, right. to interfere with just making music. You got some more notes there? Uh, yeah, I have a <laughs> bunch of notes here. Uh, I, mean, tell, I, I don't know, like, I don't know what your first, how you, when you started playing music, I uh, imagine it was probably in school. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I played piano a little bit, and then I um, played, uh, I, I stole a baritone sax from the high school band. Because they, I didn't read music. Literally they, stole it. Yeah, and when they, <laughs> I gave it back though. But I mean, uh, they, uh, they did threw, they know you they stole threw, it? They threw me out of the band because I didn't read music. I would just make up my own parts with the baritone, and so I, I thought they were actually pretty good. But the teacher said, you know, you're not playing your part, and I said, well, that's true. <laughs> and I'm uh, playing a part. I play my part, <laughs> and. Uh, so uh, they threw me out, but then I stole the baritone. So I had that for a while. I, I gave it back, you know, later on. But uh, so I always liked baritone sax, and I had a tenor and stuff. But uh, when I auditioned for Roomful, I uh, I started playing baritone. So uh, you know, it was uh, that's when I you know, and I just tried to sort of had to try and develop a blues baritone style from listening to tenor sax players, basically. Yeah. So uh, that's. What I did, well, and uh, you know, I don't know of a more notable baritone blues player on the planet than yourself. Well, thank you. So. Thank you. That, <laughs> I think that, I think you've I think you've hit the mark. Well, and, most of them and are then in some. That most are in some sort of institution now, usually, and and right. I have had medical experiments done on them. So uh, there are not a lot of them around. <laughs> right. you know. But that's that's all of the good for me. But um, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, I, you know, I do play the jazz stuff and this and that, but I just don't see what's wrong with playing blues, you know. <laughs> I don't, I don't either. A lot either. of horn players <laughs> just like kowtow to jazz players, and that's one thing that certainly is good, but, uh, it doesn't mean that you have to play a million notes all the time and stuff like that, so. Right. I feel that that is, um, 
you know, um, and you know, there's a, a bunch of us that um, out here, especially out here, really, that really have take gotten the message in, in the know, Northeast. Yeah, like my friend that. Gordon Beetle, and yeah. you know, and you know, Greg Piccolo down there, and you know, and Wesley and Rich Latai and stuff. So, and Mark Early, you know, all great players, and you know, Scott Shetler. And, so there's um, and, and is, Amity. Is, yeah, you know, Amity's great. You know, there's a lot of good guys, and so you, you certainly. The the thing is, is that we really sort of came from a place when jazz and blues really weren't that separated, you know. And there's a lot of great jazz stuff, like Stanley Tarantino and people like that, that are sort of straddling both blues and jazz. So that's really where I like things to be. Hmm. Not that there has to be this big separation, you know. So yeah, it's. Uh it's funny to see the how divisive the camps can be sometimes. Oh, yeah. and how jazz people are just jazz, you know, yes. can be just jazz people I, and blues people can be just blues people. I just uh, don't think that that has to be that way, you know. So. No, I agree. And I, it's the thing that, that Curtis has said to me before is like, you know, in the end, it's all blues. <laughs> well, basically, you know? yeah. Basically, it's all blues. Well, that's Al Green and Ray Charles and <laughs> and Thelonious Monk and uh, Ella Fitzgerald, and it's all blues in the yeah. end. Yeah. Uh, you know, because that's where it all that's the, it's the where it all came from. That the the soulfulness of the music. Yeah, you know, and so that's the anybody who comes from that. That's what I, that's what I like. So. So who are your who are your who are your influences early, and who are your influences now? If when I was a kid, I, a friend of mine that I got a hold of on Facebook that I knew when I was a kid said actually when you got a hold of as a as a as a kid when you were on Facebook. No, well, <laughs> he got a hold of me on Facebook, and I knew him when, when we were kids. And he said like when I was nine. I was already buying blues records, and I would give them to people for birthday presents. And of course, they didn't like blues, so I would borrow them back and then uh, never give them back to them. So I, that's so he was talking about the my first couple records, which I kind of forgot about, you know, uh, blues records and stuff. So is that what they call a left-handed gift? Uh, yeah, you know, it's what, you know, that's <laughs> a gift that I know that you don't want that I'll, yeah. I'll end up getting back from you. Oh yeah. So uh, uh, and, and at nine years old, you were doing that. Oh, yeah. You were buying people blues records at oh, nine. Wow, oh. that's crazy. And um, so then uh, I uh, listened to Paul Butterfield and Muddy Waters and you know Howlin' Wolf and all those people. And and you know originally I loved the Animals. That's what was my favorite. Yeah. yeah. Band. So anyway, so that's what I always liked. So that was this, that sort of thing was what I always liked. And then when I joined Roomful of Blues, I found all these other people. That I thought I knew about blues, and I, there was so many more people that you know sitting around listening to Duke seventy eights and stuff. That you know, I learned an awful lot more from all that. Yeah, yeah. So, and we used to go to secondhand stores and look through all their seventy eights and stuff. No oh, shit. You you have played with. I mean, it's a crazy who's who of not just blues musicians, but all kinds of different musicians. But. Uh, I know you played with Muddy. Yeah. And tell me what that was like. Cause that was I, great. He called us House of Blues, which is <laughs> way, way before the House of Blues. But I, he... Uh, he uh, you referred to Roomful of Blues as House of yeah, Blues? Yeah, House oh, of Blues uh, with the horn section. And we, we sat in with Duke with him and stuff. It was incredible. You know, it's all great. So what was he What was he like to... Did you, did you oh, get sure. to hang we, out with him? Over the years, we hung out with him quite a bit. Oh, so he was just like a great guy. You know, just a great guy. 
so man. that was great. Alan Wolf was great. Uh, you know, recorded with Eddie Clean, Ed Vinson. We played with Red Prysock. That was unbelievable. Sel Austin. Um, uh, but Count Basie came, flew up from the Bahamas to hear us with Eddie Clean, Ed Vinson. Yeah, he was a big fan. I know he was a big fan of the band. Yeah, yeah. And so we opened up for him quite a bit. Oh, shit. So that was all fun. I used to do, uh, actually I still do a, a Clean Head Vincent tune that I never have known the right name of the song. Because um, I, I, the first time I heard it, it was on a compilation record and they mislabeled it. Sure. And they call it Wee Baby Blues, which is not the proper name of the song. And it's the, uh, uh, I think it's called Hold It Right There. Oh, yeah. Is that the name of the song? Well, I'm not sure if that's Wee Baby uh. Blues or not. But uh, uh, I, I, I've never been able to find the right name of the song. I've been do I've been doing that song for I don't well, know. Well, wait a minute, baby. That's like uh, oh, wait a minute, baby. Okay, that's Is that that's, it? that's uh, hold it right there. Yeah. Is that the name of yeah. it? Not wait a minute, baby. It's okay. Stops. Yeah, yeah. Oh, don't yeah. don't know where. Yeah, yeah. that's wait a minute, baby. Yeah, yeah. And it has right that. Yeah, has that has two two stops in it. And yes. They're both weird. They're both weird yeah. stops. Yeah. Wait a minute, baby. Oh my God. I've been doing that no, song. Hold it right there. Oh, it is hold it right there. Yeah. See, you don't even know. You told me the two different well, names. Well, it's, uh, call it whatever you want. I still call it Wee Baby Blues. So when I call my band, I call. I still call it Wee Baby Blues. Which I, and I know that it's not the name of it. But <laughs> that's so funny. Uh. <laughs> oh, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. I just saw a picture of you with Robert Plant. Oh yeah, what was that all about? Oh well, we just uh, we played uh, the uh, Austin Music Awards, and oh, yeah? uh, uh, it was top secret. And then uh, uh, Charlie Sexton was singing these tunes, some doo wop tunes, Young Blood, and some other stuff. And uh, then we didn't know anything. And then that night, that afternoon, when we ran over it, Robert Plant was there. Oh so shit! It Did was, you know you know he was going to be there? Uh, no, uh, but uh, uh, you know it was uh, it was cool. He was, he Did was he fun. play? Oh yeah, uh, he sang great. Nice. Did you play with him? Yeah, yeah. No shit. We did shit. these old doo-wop songs. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah, it was great. Oh my. He said there, he always there... wanted to do them. Yeah, they're on YouTube. Really? Yeah, the Austin oh, Music gotta, Awards. Man, I have to look that up. Oh my god. Doug James playing with Robert Plant. Well, you know, we've <laughs> done it all, dude. You've done it all. Uh, I'm uh, I'm a big fan of yours as a as a musician and a person and I'm glad that you took a few yeah, minutes I'm to... a fan of yours too Nikki right. even if you're not Greek I thought you were Greek <laughs> everybody thinks I'm Greek everybody thinks I'm well, Greek but I'm not because I was going to give you uh, in Sicily they have a saying if you meet a wolf and a Greek on the road shoot the Greek well anyways uh, <laughs> back to where we were before uh, but yes Nick thank you for having me on your podcast in the palatial uh, Nick, the Greek estate here right. in in cyberspace, also known as Tupelo Music Hall. Yes. So, all right, Doug James, the Ridiculous Nicholas Podcast. We are over and out. Salute. Uh, all right, Nick David here with the Ridiculous Nicholas Podcast, and I'm here with one of my uh, musical heroes, Mr. Jimmy Vaughn. I'm very excited that you could take a few minutes and sit down and talk to me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I am. Uh, I've been listening to you since uh, you know, I've got all the early T-Bird stuff and listened to all that and Strange Pleasures, uh, my top ten favorite records of all time. Oh. Um, 
family style I, I loved as well. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge, huge fan, and uh, hopefully I don't gush too much. <laughs> well, thank you. Thanks for the kind words. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Doug said you, you've been out for about two and a half weeks. Yeah. Uh, and then from here, you're going to uh, Portland. You're Portland tomorrow night? Yes. All right. We're, we're just doing an East Coast run, so wherever it takes us, you know. Cool. Where did you start at? Um, Washington D.C. I think. Right. And how many shows? How many shows on this run? Do you know? Don't know. No. It all kind of bleeds together after a while. I'm sure. Well, we we had about uh, two and a half weeks out, and we could have had a couple of nights off. So, all right. We basically try to fill it up as much as we can, you know. Yep. Because, you know, you don't want to sit around too much. No. (laughs) That's when you get in trouble. Right. (laughs) Well, you don't get in too much trouble these days. Well, it wouldn't be that hard. No? (laughs) That's that's the someone's phone going through the PA system here at Tupelo. (laughs) That's that's the the second time. Well, we we just did a sound check, and that's... uh, the phone rings on one of our songs. Oh, does it really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, so they're... they're oh, is there like a... Do you do like a rap or something? Or? Yeah, well, yeah. It's, it's um, you know, the song... Um, um, oh, what's the name of it? Uh, I Miss You So. Okay. Darling, you know that I love you. Whoa, darling! You know the one uh, that was done by uh, what was his name? The famous guy. Uh, I'll think of his name in a minute. All right, sorry. I'll put. I'll, I'll edit it in afterwards. <laughs> he sang in falsetta. He was okay. one of the greatest falsetta singers, but he was a blues uh, singer. Roy Orbison. Blues oh, singer. now he's a blues singer. Um, uh, we'll think of it in a minute. Um, I've. I just can't. Can't okay. think of it. I can see it and hear him. I can see his face, but I can't. Who was the uh, Ted Taylor? Oh, okay. And Lillian Offit did the record originally. Okay. Lillian Offit. And who was the? Who were you just listening to on stage when you guys were playing the Frankie the, Lee uh, Sims? Frankie Lee Sims. Oh, okay. Frankie Lee Sims from Dallas. Oh, all right. I can't remember the name of it. I can't remember the name of it or anything about it. I just know that it was a Frankie Sims tune. It was one that he turned me on to because I, I wasn't as hip to him. But both those tunes were great. That second one I've heard some people do before. That now, we, were also, we, we were also doing Roll, Roll, Roll. Yeah, Roll, Roll, Roll. Who That's was that? Guitar Junior. Oh, okay. Guitar Luth- Junior Luth- out, of, out of... No, not Luther. Okay. Snake Boy Johnson. Oh, right. But, okay. but Guitar Junior, who is now Lonnie Brooks. In Chicago. Oh, that was so. It was Lonnie Brooks before he became Lonnie Brooks when he was called Guitar Junior. Interesting. I've heard some other people do that song, but uh, I can't think of it. I recognize did it, and I did it. Oh, right. Everybody, that's right. Yeah, everybody did it. Yeah, yeah. That's been that's been a, around for a hot minute. <laughs> um, yeah, Guitar Junior was is a fabulous musician, and uh, he's always been a a real. Hero and a rock and roller blues man, you know, from down in Louisiana, and uh, I think uh, there's a, a lot of stories that he caught a ride to uh, Chicago with Sam Cooke. 
Okay. And went to Chicago and changed his name. And that was it. <laughs> he never looked back. So we don't know who he's, what his name really is. Funny. <laughs> I never heard that story before. That's great. He's got several kids that play too. Ronnie Baker Brooks. Oh, right. Ronnie Baker Brooks, right. They're all great. Yeah. So, uh, I heard that you were doing something with Duke on Sunday. Yeah, I have, we haven't done it yet. But. And it's gonna be kinda like a, kinda like the... I don't have any the, idea what the, it's gonna be. The, he was saying it was gonna be like the, kinda the Texas to Rhode Island connection kinda thing, like... Okay. They were gonna, you know, it's a weird kinda, it's a, it's a weird connection that... Well, you know more about it than I do then. Oh, I, cause I haven't heard yet. Talk about it. Anybody just been talking out of, talking out of cuff, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, that's just what that's what he said for the podcast. But that's exciting. I, I I'm a big fan of Dukes as oh, well. Yeah. So sure. So I think uh you know that'll be exciting stuff. I was a I was a big fan of Nick Kern. I was really excited when I saw that you uh, played on on one of his records. So yeah, that was, Nick Nick was fantastic. He was a he was a cool dude. I I was he was a friend of mine. I did, he's from this area. He's from Maine. Uh, I'm sure you knew that. Um, but I didn't know him when he lived here, but I, I knew his father, and his father tried to recruit me to be in a band many moons ago. I had my own thing going, so I couldn't do it. But when Nick came back, we got to hung, hang out and just jam. We jammed out in the basement of his dad's house, and I just played drums. And he, he sang, played guitar, and I just, I'm not, I'm not much of a drummer, but I could get through a jam in the basement, you right. know? So. He was a really cool dude. He was. was. It was such a such a sad sad thing, man. Such a young age. Um, I need to bring this damn thing down. I wanted to talk about good shit with you. Okay. <laughs> um, so you you're you're in recovery. Do you mind, will you talk about that? Okay. I'll talk about what I can, I'm supposed to be able to talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I, I watched the. I think it was the. Um, I think it was the rock and roll induction. You were talking about the, you know, one of the gifts that Stevie gave you, and that was the gift of recovery. And uh, well, he showed me that, you know, that he could. He got sober before I did. Yeah. And uh, and I'm the big brother. I'm supposed to show him stuff, and he showed me on that one. Yeah. Well, that's a tough so, one. Uh, There's a lot of. That's a that's a real tough one. <laughs> I've, I've been clean for 25 years. I was uh-huh. the, the year that uh, the year that he passed. I got clean that year. I got you clean in nine. Me too. Yeah. I got. I had three months when Steve got killed. Oh shit. Yeah. I was. It was right before or right after. I was locked up at the time. I was in. I was locked up in a juvenile facility because I was a young hoodlum. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I was a big fan of his at the time, and it was a. It was a. It was a pretty rough thing for me being locked up. I didn't have any friends or family around. I'm around a bunch of strangers and people I don't know and don't necessarily care for. But um, it was right around that time that I that I gotten in the program. So, well, I had th- I had three months when Stevie got killed, and uh, after a couple of days, I thought, well, you know, if I went out now, nobody would really blame me. Yeah. And then the next thought was, if you do that, you know, you're really going to screw everything up completely, yeah. you know. So, you know, how you go through these things in your head, you know. 
Well, that's the one. That's but, one of the uh, things. Like, if you can get through that without using, yeah. What What can well, What can thinking, the world bring you? I was thinking you? of my mother. You know, I had to go tell my mother. Oof. What was I gonna? You know, I had to tell her, and you know, so I I couldn't let her down. But uh, yeah, all that stuff just almost doesn't seem real, you know. It's, it's when I think you about don't get over that. You don't get over when somebody in your family dies like that. Yeah. And you know, it was my job to take my brother to school, you know, back because I'm four years older than him, and so I. And even though he was a big grown-up guy, you know, on his own and doing quite well, I, I just, my big brother kicked in, you know, when he got killed and I, I felt like I had, you know, not done my job, which there was nothing I could do, but just the way I felt, you know. That's brutal. But, uh, um, so. there was no time to go out and I'm, I'm thankful, I'm grateful to God that I didn't, you know. This is the thing that I think about when I think about using now is like, what is the, what good can it do? <laughs> yeah. What good can it do? And they say that uh, when when you go back out after you've been clean for a while, that you, uh, we've all heard this, and they say that uh, you go right back to where as if you've been using the whole time. Hmm. So you're like double messed up, you know, real fast. Yeah. So I have a beautiful life now, um, with a nice family and kids. And how many kids do you have? Four. Four kids, and they're yeah. all what are the age ranges? Uh, well, uh, forty-five to eleven. Jesus, <laughs> that's quite. So you probably have. Uh, I have two you, sets. You, you have grand you have grandkids that are as I have old grandkids as kids too. You have grandkids that are older than the eleven year old. No, 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 no. <laughs> I had a, uh, growing up. My uh, my aunt was married to a guy, and her husband had a uh, had a brother and nephew. That the uh, that the nephew the nephew was his brother was supposed to be the uncle. He was younger than the nephew. It's <laughs> a weird thing. Just made me think of that when you yeah, that because that, yeah. that's such a such a large range in, in the family there. And so, uh, do they where do they live? Your kids? Texas. They're all Everybody's in Texas. Everybody's in Texas. Everybody's in Texas. I haven't spent much time in that state. I'm sorry to say, I've always wanted to go down there. Uh, when Nick was down there, we had mm. talked several times about me going down and just doing some shows with him around town there. Right. And I didn't do it. Um, and then, do you know Cheryl Arena? I don't. She's a harmonica player from up this way. She was living down in Austin for several years. Talked to her about doing it. Um, I have a buddy of mine down there now named Josh Falero. I don't know if you know Josh. He's a really good guitar player. He was, um. I've heard that name. I don't know. He was uh, Curtis Salgado's guitar player for quite a while. I think he played with John Nemeth, and he's done he's done quite a quite yeah. a few things. But he's living down there now. So so now I'm talking to him every time somebody one of my friends goes down there. I'm like, we gotta get together and do something around. Uh, you know, I, I'm more of a uh, I haven't branched out much beyond 
New England. I'm mostly a kind of New England guy. When I do little one-off things, I'll go out and do like the Waterfront Blues Festival in Portland, or you know, I just did a I just did a, a about a week's worth of shows with Nick Moss out in Chicago. So that was fun stuff, but. I'm mostly here. I mostly stick around town. I got a, I have a wife and a two-year-old son, so um, it's a good thing. Yeah, to stick around. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I definitely want to get out more. So that's when I talk to friends about doing it. I get excited about it. But uh, then when it comes to putting the the things in motion, I don't always. <laughs> I'm not always excited about doing it when I think about leaving my family for I understand a that. month. It's a good thing. Yeah, it is a good thing. Well, you know, I really appreciate you taking the time. I don't want to take any much, much more of your time. I know you've, they got food there waiting for you. And, uh, uh, I just wanted to tell you that I'm a huge fan. I really well, appreciate thank you. you. I appreciate it. And you know, um, the great thing about, uh, this music is, uh, I've been playing, you know, for over 50 years, 50 something years gigging, you know, for money and playing gigs and, uh, and I still, I still love the music and I'm still, and I, and my, my playing changes all the time. It, it, you can't really stay the same if you want to even. You gotta grow and you gotta learn stuff and you gotta go f- find out about stuff you didn't know about or something you're interested in, you know. Mm. So it's never been, uh, it's never been boring or crazy, you know, like, uh, like you hear about some of these, you know, musicians that, uh. It must have been crazy at some point when, when you were like, no, no, I mean, I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> but most of the crazy stuff was from, uh, drugs or being, uh, doing something stupid or, uh, you know, you, you know, it is what it is and saw it all, you know, what happened what is what happened, but, uh, it's good to, uh, uh, you know, to play and be sober and, and to be a real musician, uh, and trying to be a musician that works and, and knows, uh, and still trying to learn how to play, you know. Well, that's a good, it's good to be able to be you never really, enough to know that. Well, you never really get anywhere, you know, you just want to, you always, you have, might have a good night, you know, a few times. Uh, <laughs> and, and you have a lot of fun and you meet great people and you, and you get to play music. That's fabulous. There are people that are far less accomplished and less talented than you that haven't reached that, that don't think that they have to still do that. And I know, I know them. I'm sure you know people like that. There are people that think they've got, they got it all figured out. And so it's really refreshing to hear somebody. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think you really get it figured out because by the time you get it figured out, it changes. Yeah. And then you're like, oh no, you know, <laughs> you don't want to, you don't want to stop learning. Yeah. Or, you know, stop trying to get better or try, trying to, trying to learn something. Then you're, you're, it wouldn't be any good, would it? No. This is a beautiful thing about harmonica is, uh, I always have one in my car, so I can always practice. Yeah. <laughs> almost, almost anywhere. You know what harmonica. I used to do is I used to have a rack, you know, a rack, and I would drive around and play harmonica while I'm driving. <laughs> because I thought that'd be good practice with the rack. Right? Because no hands. Were you gonna, to play while you were playing guitar? No, while you're driving. 
No, but to practice to play while you're playing guitar. Right. Right. Not that I could necessarily ever do it, really, like Jimmy Reed or somebody that right. could really do it. But <laughs> but it was good practice because you have to drive and you have to think about what you're doing. And you can play too. Right? I hope you don't crash into anything. Well, <laughs> I've tried to rack a few times. I could never get a good. No, it's I never tough. Get a good sound. But, you know, I saw it. Jimmy replay a few times, and he played so good that. And I've seen him play without a rack. I've seen him take it out of the rack and play like this. Yeah. And and it's unbelievable. Yeah. But he's unbelievable. You ought to try to do that in the rack. Yeah, I couldn't it's difficult. do it. I couldn't do what he does in the rack for sure. It's so hard to get the amount of air you need to get to go through it. Right. When you don't when you can't and put the pressure too. of it up to your mouth, you know? Right. To be able to put enough pressure on that harmonica so you're not leaking air out of the And playing your guitar mouth. too. Yeah, I don't that's that's a whole nother that's a whole nother animal to me. Uh there's no, you're saying that you know you you evolve and your your guitar playing changes, but if you pick up, if you hear a Jimmy Vaughn song, it's completely undeniable who it is playing guitar. Well, thank it's you. like BB King. It's well, like I'll tell you what I did when when I was a kid, I I had all these records and I would I found you know uh, I found Freddie King and BB King and. Jimmy Reed and a lot of this stuff was on the radio uh, and uh, and so uh, I was always fascinated how you know you put on the Freddie King album with all the instrumentals how does how did he know what he was going to play on the solos you know hmm. I was always fascinated by that how did he know and and so I I asked myself if I was in a room with all my favorite guys, you know, B.B. and T-Bone and Buddy Guy and Albert King and, you know, Lonnie Mack and all these guys. And we did a round and round and it came to me, what was I going to do? Because right. I couldn't do what they did right. halfway. That would be terrible. Right. So you have to ask yourself, what do I sound like? Yeah. And then it will come. Your brain will tell you what you sound like. Yeah. Well, your heart, nobody, your heart will. So, for somebody who's going through that, that's what yeah. I would say. Ask yourself, what do I play? And nobody's completely original. Everybody learns from somebody they admire, right? Right. Or, or a lot of them. And we all, even, even T-Bone Walker learned how to play from someone, you know, from somebody he, Saw, or maybe he learned a little here and a little there, or something. Right. So we all—it all gets passed around. But well, there's nobody that sounds like Jimmy Vaughn. If you hear it, you go, "He's trying to sound like Jimmy Vaughn." There's not uh, any time. Uh, I mean, I've I've heard a few people that will will cop licks from you, but I've never heard anybody that does. You know, like you hear people that do BB. That's their thing. Right. You know, that's you go. Oh, that guy's he's just doing he's BB. Just, he's just doing BB. I've never heard anybody. Oh, he's that, trying to do BB. Right, right, <laughs> right. Well, that's what I mean. If if and and what I'm saying is, is we all learn from our favorite records or musicians. We all learn how to play usually in the blues, like from it, trying to emulate these guys on the records. But and and that's completely normal. 
But if you ask yourself, what do I do? If you really want to know that question, you'll start listening to your your own voice that will come through. Hmm. That is damn good advice. <laughs> that is damn good advice. And I, and I learned that from, from being desperate trying to figure out how do they know, how do they get their own sound? You know, right. I mean, you you listen to Albert Collins. You know, it's completely. Uh, there's no one that sounds like Albert Collins except Albert Collins. Right. And he plays a capo. So, but he was listening to Gate Mount Brown, right. who also played with a capo. Uh, you know, such a different thing, though. Such a different such thing. Such a different but, thing, but, but close. Uh. Oh, I never, I never knew that. I didn't know that. Now, I had the knowledge today. Albert Collins had his own tuning. He had a minor tuning. Okay. And he had his own. He played. He tuned to F minor. So don't try and follow him. <laughs> you just have to find out what key he's playing in. <laughs> Make sure he tells you. Yes. Yeah, if so, you try and follow him, but I'm sure <laughs> that he learned a lot of stuff from Gate Mouth Brown because Gate Mouth Brown was right after T-Bone and right, you know, before Albert. When he when Albert was young, starting out, Gate Mouth Brown was hitting it, you know. Yeah. So. He should have been much bigger than he was. I always he was thought fan, about he was that. He was mo- most he was fabulous. So, most unbelievable. That, the beat stuff and... Unbelievable. Just the swing stuff that he does. God damn. It's nasty. It's nasty. It's like, why wasn't that guy as big as T-Bone was, you know? You talking about Gatemouth Brown? Yeah. Oh, he was very big. He was big. Okie dokie stomp and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Huge records at the time. But, uh, all right. Well, thank you. Well, all right, Jimmy. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, my man. I can't wait to hear the show. I'm excited. The Ridiculous Nicholas podcast is brought to you by Pizza 911 of Manchester, New Hampshire. Uh, their website is pizza911nh.com and their phone number is 603-625-2201. They have awesome pizza, calzones, subs, you name it, fried fare, sandwiches. Um, and They provide us with all our food on Sundays when we record the Ridiculous Nicholas podcast. So give them a call. Let them know that you heard about them on our podcast, and they will give you a free order of breadsticks. Again, it's 603-625-2201. And we are also brought to you by Team Link of Hookset, New Hampshire. Uh, their website is teamlinkhooksetnh.com, a great place to train Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, mixed martial arts, boxing, kickboxing, karate, uh, whatever it is you're looking to study. Uh, they have a great instructors over there. I've been training there for four years. Um, you can check them out at teamlinkhooks at nh.com and you can also call them at 603-641-3444. Uh, ask for Ed Carr. Let them know you heard about them on the podcast. They will give you a free t-shirt and 30 days of free lessons.